Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 7 of Season 5 of Movie Rap Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Josh Horowitz of the Hello. 12 Times It's Midnight, 5 Minutes of Trouble, and 5 Minutes of Bonsai. Welcome back, Josh. Ah, oh, glad to be back, Rob. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad after yesterday's uh, long episode, you decided to, <laughs> to still come back, you know. That, uh, so I, much I didn't to tell. deter you. I didn't deter you. <laughs> you know, oh. just just grab those tools, will you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, you 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 asked me, uh, you know, in the green room, if you can actually introduce the 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 starting and ending points of this minute. So go ahead, I'll let you do it. Yes, we are on minute seven of Die Hard Two. Die Harder. Yes. Uh, Minute 7 starts with John strolling down memory lane with Colonel Stewart, and it ends with Matlock walking out on some quality TV. (laughs) You got to admit, he does look like him. Yes, he definitely does. He definitely does. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. Actually, tomorrow we'll talk about who who that that actor is, uh, because Mm -hmm. today today he doesn't get anything to say. So I usually Mm. introduce a character once they have something to say. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll get we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there so yes we we ended things yesterday with john bumping into stewart uh getting the two of them to to actually you know interact at some point you know at, the, at an early stage of the movie i mean come on they, they're interacting at the end of six and the beginning of seven minutes you know so mm-hmm. pretty quick for for the two of them to meet each other even though neither one of them has any clue that they are adversaries at this point yeah, that's right. And so, you know, John bumps into him and says, excuse me. And then John continues and says, well, you look really familiar to me. And then Stuart responds, I get that a lot. I've been on TV. You know, it, it's <laughs> it's just very strange that that's the way the two of them would have would, would respond like this. You know, here, I well, mean, they're, they're Stuart two celebrities. Is supposed, <laughs> no, I know that, but Stuart is supposed to be uh, like a – a uh, Ali North type of character or something like that. I, I don't think ah. I don't think that that's the type of thing he would say by saying, "Oh yeah, I've been on TV." <laughs> you know. Well, I People wonder if he said something different cause... actually, because if you if you look, there's a, here's another pretty pretty bad dubbing <laughs> that's happening. I mean, my my thought is that there must have been a lot of loud noise at the airport, so they had to have a lot of these uh, redubbing s- sessions during this. Right. Well, we'll we'll have to wait until the end of this minute to find out. If uh, you know what's in the what's in the script, because mm. I mean I'll, I'll I didn't mention this yesterday, but the excuse me actually came from Stewart in the script. Ah, you know even though here it does sound it sounded at yesterday as if it was uh, McLean who actually said it, but again right. well, I wasn't could, sure, so maybe they did record it that way. Yes, it could be. Mm. And uh, then John's response is, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> It's just a little strange response that people would 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 have to this type of thing. You know, it's like <laughs> I, even if they are somewhat, you know, uh, famous for for what they've been doing, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm, I just don't think that that would necessarily be the type of response that because you know John is supposed to be somewhat humble in what's going on mm-hmm. here, so he's not necessarily gonna you know point out the fact that that you know he's from that nakatomi thing uh that happened and Stuart is supposedly here uh in a covert capacity so you know 
to to even give a hint as to where someone might know who he is is sort of letting the cat out of the bag here. Well, I think it's a it's a funny response line from uh, Willis's character, but here's a sense where it's also true. Yes, <laughs> he is on TV. <laughs> that is true. Or has been. He, he, on Moonlighting, you mean? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> or Nightline, as they'll, they'll talk about later. But uh, whatever. And I mean, the funny thing is, is they 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 have both of these characters, you know, give like a long look at the other one, trying to figure out yes. where they know them from. Yes. You know, you even the have ominous stare. That's right. We <laughs> even have Stuart walk away and then turn around and look back and say, "Who was that masked man?" You know, that type of thing. <laughs> So do you think he knows at this point who John is? You know, that was a question I was about to ask you. Uh, yeah. I yeah, have a I, feeling I, I have a feeling he has no clue. Yeah, probably not. He he's, him. he's putting some mental memory at this point. That's right. Uh, you know, he's going to he's going to remember him for later. Yes. I, I think so. I, I I don't think he really does recognize him though. He mm. he might say this guy seems a little familiar, but I don't know from where. Mhm. You know, Indeed, who is that masked man? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the shot changes, and we see a uh, uh, a church. Or, yeah, it's actually, Norman it Rockwell-esque, isn't it? Very. It it it. You, we we have a great crane shot that starts really high and like moves down, and we get to see you know this this area covered with snow. Um, you know, I could have sworn that I've had a 1,000-piece puzzle that's looked just like this. <laughs> could be. <laughs> could be. But, I mean, one where, of where that... was this filmed, though? Was was this in Michigan? No. This this actually um, – <laughs> Rennie Harlan talks about this on, on the commentary that, that this was filmed, I believe – Actually, I'm trying to remember where he said it, but he said when they got there, there was no snow whatsoever. This is entirely fake snow. Mm. It was in the winter, yeah. but but there was no snow. So they yeah, yeah that, I remember that, reading somewhere about that. Yeah, yes, they they had a lot of trouble in the movie with 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 this. This was not in Michigan. Michigan was when the, the where the plane lands. I think was done in Michigan, uh-huh. um, and then parts of it was done was was also filmed in Denver, and then most of the interiors were were filmed in L.A. Ah, you well, know, that that um, would explain my my next question then about Pacific uh, you know, Bell. They're creating well, they're creating <laughs> the snow each time because the next shot that we're gonna see, I mean, there's like untouched fresh snow on the ground, and then they have this this one take crane shot, you know, where they go back and then you see the car going over it and stuff. So I I was just wondering, what did they literally just do that in one take and it was perfect, or did they have people refreshing the snow? So I, I guess uh, I don't know. He question. doesn't he doesn't mention about how many. Uh, takes they needed to do this but but i found it very interesting i mean look outside this looks like it's getting close to dusk right Mm -hmm. okay so so i looked up when dusk was in washington dc uh i mean yesterday we talked a little bit about the fact that this probably takes place uh on the tail end of december 1989 so Mm. if it takes place on the 21st or the 22nd okay then then uh sunset was at six it was 450 Mm-hmm. And then uh, if it place on, takes place on Saturday, sunset is at 4.51. The only reason I'm mentioning this is because later in the week, we're going to talk a little bit more about time. So, you know, ah. everyone make mental notes of, of when dusk is. You know, this, this looks right. like it's getting very close to dusk. Whether, you know, it's, it's not dark yet. 
So yeah, I mean, from the previous shots in the airport, at first glance, I thought it was already nighttime. That's right. It's, it's hard to tell. Exactly. That's true. That this was. It's okay because we're caught up in the movie. You see, yes. Rob. Of course. And so we don't care about any of these no, time of course not. inconsistencies. But, of course not. But when but when we do this minute by minute, we do. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Never That's... watch the film the same ever again. I, you know, I of the four movies that I've already done, whenever I've rewatched them, I see them in a totally different light now. You know, <laughs> completely, because you know yeah. I've, I've discussed them uh, endlessly. Mm. What can I tell you? So, I mean, I'm assuming if you when you watch, uh, you know, either Buckaroo Banzai or or uh, Big Trouble in Little China, you see them very different now, also, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. Inter- interestingly, that I I think I appreciated. I appreciated both films maybe a little bit more having delved in so closely, but I think I liked Big Trouble in Little China more because of it. It, it was it was kind of I, I still think that Buckaroo Banzai is a more difficult film to really take to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, okay. and when you look at it really closely, you can kind of see exactly why. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, that, that yeah. can happen. That's true. So if you look carefully on the. You know when the when the shot comes down and the the van is moving close into the the front of the church, okay. Mm-hmm. So you see two signs, okay. One yes. side it says closed, in, yeah. which is like written very very strangely. You know, it's not like a it, it it's like someone took a magic marker and and wrote closed on it. It's 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 folksy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then on on the other side. It, it what it seems like it says is Highland Lake Daycare Center. Yeah, okay, there is. Can't really read the rest of it. Okay, now I looked up where Highland Lake is. Okay, because this is, I mean, a little spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched this whole movie yet. Um, this is supposed to take place relatively close to the airport. Right. Okay, so <laughs> Highland Lake is forty three miles away from Dulles. <laughs> it's mm. 24 miles from from uh, Thurgood Marshall Airport in Baltimore. It's 30 miles from Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport and 43 miles from Dulles. So <laughs> I don't know if if Highland well, maybe Lake... it's a it's an unincorporated borough. Of yes, it could be in this area. It's very possible. It's very possible. I just I just thought it was very interesting. I was trying to you know find where does this where does Highland Lake take place? Now it's very possible also that Highland Lake is referring to something that takes you know maybe it's in Denver, like I said, or you know somewhere else. Doesn't really make mm. a difference. But and you uh, notice that there's some children's equipment too. So yes, they they have yes. a daycare, or yes. at least they did, or they're going to be having a daycare because I I think it says uh, future home. Oh. It it oh. says something home of Highland Lake Daycare Center. And you can't really read mm-hmm. what it says underneath. I mean, the, the script will, will give us a little bit more insight into that when we get to yeah. that at the end of the minute. Uh, that's that that's more tragedy. Yes. They, they, they may <laughs> not they may not be able to to have their goal of a daycare center. Possibly we'll not. Yeah. But I also like you have the, the battered truck outside, you know, that the custodian mm-hmm. uses and there's like a little shack that that, that looks somewhat disheveled also. Hmm. So, you know, it it doesn't look as if it's something that that's uh that's uh, very usable, I guess you can say. Or <laughs> who knows. <laughs> what can I tell you? Then the the van stops in front and then uh we see someone get out on the passenger side and we hear him say, "Grab the tools, will ya?" And you hear a response, mm. "You got it." And then you hear the the other door slam. 
Okay, it's, yeah. it's, it's orange suited guys. Yes. Now, my biggest question is, is okay, these two guys were, were about to find out tomorrow uh, that they are not really public works people. All right. But um, why are they having this type of conversation, you know, since this is uh, a complete fabrication? You know, like, why do they need to, to, to play that out? Why don't they just say, you know, I mean, uh, all right, I'll, I'll, because, because I know who the characters are, this, this is Baker and Thompson. Okay. So uh-huh. why are, why are Baker and Thompson talking as if they're, you know, why doesn't he grab the tools? Why doesn't he just say, let's well, go they're in? They're clearly, you know? clearly they're method actors. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> no, because there's, there's no one else around, you know, it's like, you know, he could just say, you know, Thompson, make sure to bring your stuff. You know, it doesn't doesn't need to be did you get your you grab the tools. You know? Well, or know. or maybe the the tools are you know some hardware that they normally yes. It could there be. you go. Right. That is possible. Yeah. That is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. So the the two of them get out. They're wearing these orange suits, uh, jumpsuits. Yeah, with, orange. With, yeah. I I I've had a little note about that one. Uh, so I, I looked up on an electrical blog. Apparently, orange symbolizes hazard or caution, which is ideal for visibility in high-risk environments, uh, okay. as opposed to wearing, I guess, yellow. Uh, so it kind of makes sense that if they are electricians, they'd be wearing orange suits. Uh, and my other note is that you you would think that the uh, the custodian in the church would have recognized this, that hazard and caution is warranted. Hmm. Yeah, he's too uh, too busy with, with the stack of newspapers next to him. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> after they make this comment, you know, the the shot changes, we're inside of the, the church. We see the custodian sitting there on a chair, which it doesn't look like he's sitting very comfortably because his knees are really, really high up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's like sinking back a little bit, but he's, he's, so he's drinking something. We're not sure what mm-hmm. he's drinking, but he does have a can of Pepsi on his side, on the, the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Yes, and behind that we see... Uh, a few coffee mugs. Uh, we see a jar of uh, Maxwell House. So that, mm. that's where he keeps his coffee. Um, and then on the right-hand side of him, which is the left-hand side of what we're looking at, obviously, there's uh, a chair behind him that has a stack filled with newspapers. You know, so mm. apparently he doesn't have much time to read the paper. And then there's <laughs> there's a newspaper right next to him also. And there's a bowl, which we don't know what's in that bowl. You know, we'll find out soon, but we don't yet know what's in the bowl. And he's basically watching the news, and we hear on the TV, this is Amy Amy Nichol, live from Escalon Airport, where deposed General Ramon Esperanza has just arrived under heavy guard. The deposed dictator's mood seems jubilant. He is waving to the crowd. And then we hear knocking uh, on, on the door, as if running for political office. Thousands of political prisoners, including the new president, there's no doubt he still has some ardent supporters, both here and abroad. So this is all going on as you know we we the, the we hear this all in the background, even though it jumps back and forth. So you know as the the news report is going, you know we see that the, this custodian picks up the up the bowl and he starts to eat some sort of soup, and then mm-hmm. you know he hears the knock on the door, and then we see from the outside. The, the two men standing at the door, okay, Baker and Thompson. So I'll, I'll quickly say who, who these two uh, actors are who play them. So Baker is played by an actor named uh, 
Tony uh, Ganios, sorry if I mm-hmm. mispronounced that, uh, born in 1959. He has 15 IMDb credits. Uh, mm-hmm. The only one that really jumped out at me besides this movie is he was actually in all three Porky's movies. He played Meat. Porky's. Yes. Oh. <laughs> he played Classics. Meat. That's right. He played Meat. Oh, very oh. good. <laughs> yes. And Thompson is played by a man named Peter Nelson, who was also born in 1959, which means that both of them were approximately 30 when they filmed Mm -hmm. this. He has 31 (laughs) IMDb credits. He was in uh, V, you know, the both miniseries, the first, the the miniseries V. Oh, V. Yes, yes, yes. And then the, the sequel miniseries he was also in, and he was also in The Last Starfighter. Oh, so I, I know that movie. I wonder exactly. what what part he had in that one. If he was one of the aliens, or no, he was actually one of the one of the people. Uh, I think in the I think he he played there. There was a certain part in in the movie, you know, where it's all taking place in you know in their um well the trailer park area. The trailer park. That's the word I was looking right. for. In the trailer park. So he he I believe is one of the the guys in the trailer park because weren't they supposed to like go away for for some sort of uh, uh, they were going to go on a camping trip or something like that with friends. Yeah. So he's like one of the cowboy hat wearing. Like, yeah. He was he's friends Jack, or something. Jack yeah. Blake. Okay. It doesn't sound ah. like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Right. So he, he does have only 31 uh, IMDb credits. <laughs> right. So, you know, we get a shot of the two of them standing at the door with their jumpsuits and vests on. And then, uh, you know, we, we go back inside and get another shot of this custodian who looks like he's getting pretty annoyed that he's being disturbed while he's trying to watch this very important news report. You know, because I guess it's easier to watch the news report than have to, you know, actually read the newspapers next to him. Who knows? And and take a look at that TV as well. I mean, yes. that's, that's, a, that's a classic one. You know, the old black and white with the rounded screens and the dials, the, the circle antenna in the back. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that's a TV that I remember... Uh, my grandmother having, uh, you know, just <laughs> pretty old school stuff. Yeah. Uh, and this is supposed to be 1989 or so. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, he's he he is steeped in the past. Yes. This guy who looks like Matlock. That's right. So he's he's really annoyed, and he actually you know takes out a handkerchief and wipes his wipes his his mouth and nose from the soup, you know, as he gets up and starts walking over towards the you know, towards the door as we see a shot on TV of Esperanza, you know, in handcuffs, waving his hands, uh, you know, in the air, I guess, uh, trying to get uh, some of that support. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the fact that he's he's watching the news and, you know, it's it's once again, General Esperanza. I mean, this this moves the story along. We saw that earlier. Uh, But wouldn't it have been so much more entertaining if he'd been watching something else like Like (laughs) or or Lethal Weapon 2? Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, there's only that so much they could have TV, done right? with the weapon, too. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, this isn't playing strange automobiles where where John Hughes put a movie that hasn't uh, a movie that he was in the middle of making. He put a scene in. You know, you yeah. have a scene from she's having a, ma- a baby in playing strange automobiles, even though that hasn't been been released yet. So, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I have to say about this minute. Do you have anything you want to say about the minute before we get into the script? Well, I- I, I have some notes about about Matlock, <laughs> or at least this actor. I don't know if you want to save that for when he actually talks. No, well, why don't we save it for tomorrow then, if you don't if you okay. don't mind. That's fine. And and then the other thing was, uh, 
Yeah, just uh, you know the the knock knock from the DWP. Uh, I noted that. Yeah, I mean, even today they still knock on doors to check your meter, which seems a little strange considering how much time has passed since this. But you know, you, why don't they have drones or wireless signals letting them know? You know the the meters info, but no, they physically have to go and check the meter still. Ah, okay. I thought you meant that that you're you know you're surprised that they're knocking on the door as opposed to kicking the door in. Yeah. Oh no no no, they're they're method <laughs> actors. Remember, they're uh, they're they're really into this role. <laughs> so they're they're dutifully doing their job. Well, come on, they don't want to alert anyone that anything's going wrong. You know, that's that's right. He he might have an old timey phone he could call. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Where, where you have to actually a rotary phone or something like that, or or you have to crank it. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> All right, so the the script is actually has some some great description here, and it it adds a few little things in a little bit here and there. So you know, McLean says to, I'll go back a little bit to yesterday. Stewart says, "Excuse me." McLean goes, "Do I know you?" And then Stuart goes, I, I get that a lot. I've been on TV. And McLean goes, you and me both, pal. The hell with it. Then it says, now it's Stuart's turn to, to look at McLean oddly. Then he moves off. McLean looks after him, trying to place him, shrugs, heads for the bar. And then it says, uh, a little semi-rural church near the airport. Charming until the subwoofer roar of a big jet screams by. Uh, practically in the little church's backyard. Now we notice the church is a little rundown, trim needing paint, sidewalk cracked, and a neat sign confirms our suspicions. Future site of parish daycare center. Worship with us at our new church, 52 Kensington Road, Alexandria, Virginia. A DWP van pulls up, snow tires crunching on the driveway here. Two men, Baker and Thompson, get out of the official DWP get out in official DWP wardrobe, but we remember the trim bodies, trimmer hair, and we remember those gift-wrapped packages, which one of these guys carries. Mm. Inside the church on the TV, the newscast continues, now back to the tropical airport. Esperanza is at the top of the steps, waving to the press like a triumphant hero, not a felon en route to prison. The plane doors close, and it taxis down the runway. Widened from the seat, with it, which an elderly custodian is watching while he eats some instant soup. The doorbell rings. The custodian answers it. So, again, I like the way they do it in the movie. Mm. I think that worked uh, quite well. Yeah, they, you know, the, the script seems to do that, uh, the, the transition to show how close it is to the airport, something that doesn't happen in this scene. No, but, we'll uh, see that. We'll that actually, may happen in a future scene. That's right. <laughs> we, we will see it later this week. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yes. So every Tuesday we have a segment that I do called the uh, Disaster Tuesday, which mm. basically, you know, one of the things that happens in this movie is a, there is a plane crash. So um, I, I try to find some, I guess, notable plane crashes that have happened, you know, and just discuss them a little bit, you know, a little bit of the details about what actually happened. And what I try and do, if possible, is talk about something that is, I guess, somewhat close geographically to... Uh, to where my guest is from. So mm, because okay. I know that Josh is from the LA area, so right. uh, the the one that I came across that I decided to discuss about this uh, aviation uh, disaster was something that happened on January 26, 2020. Ah, does does okay. that date ring a bell for you at all? 
January 2020, so before the pandemic. Yes. Well, oh, right, well, right yeah, obviously. Oh, no, Kobe. Yes, right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. So this is this was uh, Kobe Bryant uh, was on in a helicopter that crashed in uh, Calabasas, California, which yeah. is about 30, 30 miles from uh, downtown L.A. He was on his way from John Wayne Airport to Camarillo Airport. Uh, all nine people who were on board the helicopter were killed. Uh, you have Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, a baseball coach, John Altabelli, uh, and, and along with his wife and their, his wife, Carrie, and their daughter, Alyssa. Uh, another person, Peyton Chester and her mother, Sarah, were on the helicopter, and a uh, basketball coach named Christina Mauser, along with the pilot. They were, they were, they were all uh, killed in the crash. The helicopter apparently entered low cloud cover, which caused the pilot to lose his sense of orientation and therefore lost control of the helicopter, and it ended up crashing. This happened at uh, 9.06 a.m. Yeah. on uh, the 26th. Yeah, no, I, um, I do I do remember that day. Uh, it, it was super foggy all throughout L.A. on that day. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I remember hearing about that like that same day, and it just came as a shock to – to, to me and basically everybody yeah, I know. I mean, everybody knows mm-hmm. Kobe. Sure. I mean, he was just a, a huge part of LA yeah. uh, just with the Lakers and everything else. Um, yeah, no, yeah. really it was a, a horrible tragedy. Yeah, I mean, Kobe sure. was at the point where he didn't like to deal with traffic. Traffic is a huge part of just living in LA and he was of means that he could just take helicopters to avoid a lot of the traffic in the area. That's correct. And, do you know? Uh, do you know how long it would have just... taken him to if he drove from Newport Beach at his house to the the uh, Mamba Sports Academy, which is where Probably he was have on taken his way him... to. Yeah, I mean, d- depending on traffic. I mean, at that time on a Sunday, that probably wouldn't have been so bad. But you know, it would probably take about forty-five minutes or so. Okay, well, according to the research I did, that. right? According to the research I did, it was it was a uh, it would have been a two-hour drive for him. Or two hours, so yeah. I mean, again, this is the research I, I got. I've, I've never yeah. driven from you know from that one from that place to another. And the 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 previous day, they also flew in a helicopter, and it took thirty minutes. Huh. So the idea was is he was able to to, to basically shave off an hour and a half uh, wow. travel time by uh, you know by hiring a helicopter in order to take him. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It, it actually took a very long time. Before they were able to, uh, it took them two days to recover all the bodies. Mm. Um, and uh, in they they actually were able to identify uh, Kobe Bryant and three others through fingerprints. And then mm-hmm. five five of the others, they needed to identify them uh, via DNA testing, which means that uh, you know the, the the bodies weren't that recognizable, unfortunately, after oh, such a fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there was a big controversy, of course, with that one, because you know, I, I believe that, you know, the authorities that were there were taking pictures and they were sharing them among among themselves. And uh, there was yes. a big lawsuit. And I, I believe uh, recently that uh, Kobe Bryant's wife won that lawsuit and, and got a, a pretty large settlement. Right. I mean, one of the complaints was is that less than two hours after the crash, TMZ uh, already confirmed Bryant's death. And mm. uh, they were criticized by the local law enforcement because the coroner's office hadn't had weren't hadn't yet uh, confirmed any of the identities. 
and didn't hmm. inform any of the families. Yeah. So, you know, that's not the type of thing you want to find out, uh, you know, on TMZ. Yeah. You know. Well, one of the interesting things about uh, what the, you know, the, the repercussions of some of this that happened in L.A., shortly after this happened, suddenly there were billboards and uh, and murals that people had painted all across L.A. where it showed Kobe, was honoring Kobe and his daughter and the people that died. Uh, there were there were dozens and dozens of these that cropped up and, and still are around today. And yeah. it was a it was a big shock. Yeah, for sure. Very sad. So, Josh, do you want to uh, tell us uh, once again how we can find Josh Horowitz? Well, you can find me at joshhorowitz.com. Uh, I'm also on the podcasts 12 Chimes, It's Midnight, as well as 5 Minutes of Bonsai and 5 Minutes of Trouble. So search them up. You can also find them on moviesbyminutes.com. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on my, my website, moviebyminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, yippee ki Yippee Kaye. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little.